ladies and gentlemen, welcome back after a few months hiatus to the Voice by Matt show. My name is Matt Bertho, and I'm your host. And I have a very special guest that is the president of medical sales in the Long Island area. I'll let him tell his company name. But Sean is going to be speaking at the first ever Voice by Matt event in New York City at Grand Central Station. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for, from the Bronx, New York born and raised, Sean Martin! And the crowd goes wild. How are you this afternoon, brother? Man, I'm pumped. Lots of good stuff is happening right now. And having you on this podcast is number one. Excited to be here. First of a few coming up, actually. Oh, yeah. We, we're going to keep this going. Like, Sean, Sean will most likely be a regular. Sean's been working with me on voice for, wow, for a few months. Yeah. Now. Time flies when you're having fun and making and progress. And I'm just going to brag on you a little bit and on myself for a second. But when we started, Sean was like, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be speaking. I don't want to do this. And then as we kept growing, I kept going, Sean, you're so good. You're so good. And now Sean is blowing up on social media. We got our boy. Should we say his name? Yeah, sure. Rennie. We got our boy Rennie chopping our videos up, making us look like superstars. And Sean, one of Sean's videos hit 70,000 views. Is that correct? That was the one with you, the little engine that could. Yeah. So uh, everybody, Sean is one of the coolest dudes I know. I'm going to let him say kind of what he's affiliated with and let him talk about his mission uh, because his purpose is really, really, really great. And I love it because I love New York. And he's got a great purpose and a great mission. So uh, take it away, Sean. And apparently I've got a New York accent. Anybody who hears it from anywhere else in the country, or the world for that matter, always seems the need to point that out to me. Uh, but I guess I'm the only one that thinks they have an accent, right? No, True I New love York it. Fashion I think it's great. the center of the universe here. Uh, thanks for having me, first and foremost, brother. Yeah, our sure. uh, thanks our couple coming. of months together has been a pleasure. Um, you know, we initially signed up for voice coaching, but it's snowballed and turned out to be so much more than that. So much mm. uh, unexpected uh, growth. Um, and I don't think it's lost on me or anybody that works with you that, you know, you're voiced by Matt and you go in thinking we're going to be talking about our vocal cords or, you know, schooling, uh, schooling us on on. Uh, just tonation and, you know, things that have to do with public speaking or uh, what have you. But it turns out it's a lot more than that. And we actually find our inner voice. And that's what I think you were speaking to when you said I was reluctant to share my story with the world. And I definitely credit you uh, with a lot of bringing that out of me. I know I have a natural ability to speak and I have a natural ability with people and to connect with people, but I was always and remain to some extent, the private person like to keep things close to the vest. 
Uh, but I do know, and the more that I share, that my story has purpose. It has pain in it. It has comebacks. It has ebbs and flows and a lot of uh, valuable knowledge that people can benefit from. So more and more as I share my voice, more and more as I share my story, I've realized that my calling is to indeed help other people because I've been fortunate enough to find not only financial success, but success in the world of my four walls, my domain, my home, my family, my marriage, my children as a father, as a husband. And, you know, coming from humble beginnings in the Bronx and Parkside Projects, that's not necessarily something that uh, you associate with people that come out of that kind of environment. So hmm. being that I've been very fortunate, um, I think it's time that I start giving back and you know, they say giving back is probably the most selfish thing you can do because of how it makes you feel, especially when you do it without the thought of getting anything in return. So, uh, you know, really just uh, evolving into, you know, that world, putting myself out there, throwing myself in the deep end and figuring it out as we go. So, Sean, give me a little uh, origin timeline. You grew up in the Bronx. You talked a little bit about it. Um, dad, mom, both were there, were they there? So born and raised Parkside projects, Bronx, New York. Actually, I was born probably a mile down the road and we moved over there when I was uh, about two years old, product of a single mother household. Uh, didn't meet my father till I was 18 years old later on in life. Wow. And that's a funny story. Maybe we'll get to one day, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, my mother is and has been my anchor. She raised me on her own. She was an immigrant from the Dominican Republic, mm. came here at the age of 16 years old. She was, I guess, a bit of a nerd and a bookworm and managed to graduate from City College on time at 22. So she wow. came in not speaking a lick of English. By 18, she graduated high school. By 20, she graduated community college. And by 22, she was a graduate of four-year college, went on to work as a social worker for the city of New York until her retirement, wow. for the most part, and really planted the seed of, you know, hard work and belief. And the video that you, the aforementioned video of the little engine that could was a story that she read to me as a child. And it turned out to be the most influential lesson that I've ever learned which is if you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, you can't. Either way, you're right. And I think you said your uh, your mom shared that same story with you. So yeah, no coincidence there. Uh, graduate high school? Yeah, actually, ironically, I just came from a saxophone lesson right before this uh, podcast. And I went to music and art high school here in New York, which is the fame school. So I don't know if Bro, you, you didn't the TV tell me show. that. You didn't tell yeah, me. Yeah, well, that's fame. why you got me on the show to learn new things, huh? I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> yes. Oh man, that's so funny. That, you went that, to you fame, know, bro. We're we're dating ourselves for sure. But um, yeah, I went to the fame school. Um, started playing saxophone at in the fourth grade, I want to say third grade, I was fortunate enough, despite growing up in the Bronx and in the projects, we were nestled in between some decent areas. And my zone school 
was a combination of, you know, kids from the hood, but also a combination of kids from the working class Pelham Parkway, um, you know, maybe move, more blue collar area in the neighborhood. And the school had a great music program, which hmm. really, really changed the trajectory of my life. And I was just sharing that story at the lesson with my instructor. And so fourth grade, I pick up the saxophone. We've got a great music program. I show some promise because I'm putting in the reps. I'm, I'm practicing. I'm driving my neighbors in the apartment building crazy. My mother even got into a couple of arguments on my behalf. I guess the towel we were stuffing into the saxophone wasn't quite working. And, you know, unbeknownst to me and, and so many times in life, especially when you're challenged with the, the negativity in the street, um, picking up a hobby or a habit or something that keeps you out of that street element or away mm. from those knuckleheads uh, really changes the trajectory of your life. And I was fortunate enough to pick up the saxophone early on in life, really took a liking to it, was pretty good. Did that through junior high school, which also had a renowned music program in the Bronx. Spent a lot of my weekends. I was part of the Bronx Borough-wide band. I was part of the New York City um citywide band come on man yeah i actually got to play carnegie hall at one point as a high school student uh excuse me as a junior high school student and then i got into music and art i did the audition i passed i got in and then the trajectory you know that kept me out of trouble in my early teens kind of shifted a bit as the hormones are raging and, you know, the streets are calling and this is during the height of uh, the crack cocaine epidemic in, mm. in the Bronx. So more and more, there's an influence that's pulling me away from, you know, these bands. And now I'm going to, you know, to school and my my practice is part of school, not extracurricular. So now the weekends, there's no band, there's no practice other than what I'm, you know, putting in. Uh. And I think that's where the streets start to take a little bit of a hold of me. And, you know, I always have a saying, the streets are sexy until they're not. And there's an allure of the streets. There's a reason that rap music and hip hop is so popular and so alluring to people that don't live that life. Mm. It's because there is some some sex appeal to it. I mean, mm. there's danger. Uh, and, you know, I was right around that danger. I grew up in that danger. But, you know, thankfully for my mother, she pulled me out of the streets a couple of times. Not to say that I wasn't influenced or I didn't get caught up in some things growing up. Hmm. But I always had that positive influence, despite not having a, a father around. And, you know, she was also respected in the neighborhood. So a lot of the guys that were a little more on the straight and narrow and had a rapport with the not straight and narrow guys in the neighborhood would look out for me unbeknownst to me as well and just keep me out of my own, uh, you know, keep me away from my own devices, keep me out of trouble, kind of look out for me knowing that I was a good kid. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've got some stories where, you know, we're going to parties and I'm holding guns for the neighborhood drug dealer or, you know, wow. they're using me essentially, but I'm 15, 16. These guys got pockets full of money, nice clothes. And looking back, you know, what an idiot. These guys don't even have money to buy cars. Yeah, so they're the not doing guy. that well, right? Yeah, I'd be the fall guy if God forbid I got, you know, snatched up by the police or something. But, you know, luckily uh, that didn't happen. So finished my tenure at 
LaGuardia High School, where I kind of admittedly half-assed my way through it, but I was honing something really, really um, that would pan out for me in life, and it was my social skills. No, no, <laughs> so yeah. I was a serial class cutter in high school. I think my senior year, I only missed seven days of class, uh, seven days of school. But I, in one semester, I managed to miss like forty classes and still what pass. What in the world, Sean? I, hey, listen, if you need a shortcut, I'm your guy. So, <laughs> you know, I was working those hallways. I was hanging out, and unbeknownst to me. I was really, really honing those social skills. I was a people person always. I always had the gift of gab. And there was an authenticity to me uh, that I guess resonated with people from when I was young. And I was fortunate enough to have that, find that, not know I had it, but I guess that kept me out of trouble. Yeah. Well, you got a giant heart to go with that 6'3 frame. Right? You would think a guy my size would have been on the... Uh, on the O-line, not playing on the sax line, but in New York City, there's not a ton of sports programs, hmm. particularly in the Bronx. There's a couple, but they weren't in my zone schools. So I didn't pick up on sports. Plus, I didn't have a father. Um, I did play baseball for a while. And the funny story is my mother, you know, let me hit lefty, even though I'm a righty. Because she goes, well, he likes to hit that way, so... Because Daryl Strawberry hit that way. And I'm like, I want to swing the bat like that. So all my life, I would hit lefty, even though I throw righty. That's awesome. Because I just didn't have that, <laughs> that, that father figure in my life that was taking me under the wing or, you know, using this size to my advantage for sports. So, yeah, let's, let's go there for a second. Uh, sure. you, go to, you go to college after that. But I want to back up before we do that. Uh, who, since you didn't have a father figure, your mom played both roles so who were who were like the 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 men that you looked up to in the world i had some uncles a couple of uncles that i looked up to street guys you know not necessarily the best guys to look up to but they were the closest thing to uh guys that would you know be in my life at different periods guys from the neighborhood mm. and it's funny you asked me this question because one of my speaking engagements at my old community college, I went to speak to the men's empowerment group and they asked me the same exact question. And I can honestly say that most of the strong influences in my life have been strong women. Mm. I can't point to any one male or males for that matter that have been a bigger influence than the women that have you know, been in my life. And maybe that's why I have a big heart or I'm so compassionate. Hmm. Uh, make no mistake. I'm still a, I'm still a man. I'm still a guy. Uh, but I'm not, a, you know, an archetypal, uh, you know, uh, kind of alpha male type. That's just no. not my MO. Yeah, and you know, probably, maybe that's why we probably wouldn't be working together if that was the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, different, different strokes for different folks. So you went. You mean to there's college. not a lot of alpha males in the theater? <laughs> no, I mean there's a few, uh, you know, uh, but they get all the leads. You know, there you they go. Get all, they, they get all the best roles. So you went to college. 
First community college. I did uh, two years at Bronx Community College, part of the City University of New York system. And the reason being is I was too busy in the hallways to take SATs. I wasn't to be bothered with any of that standardized testing. You don't have time for that. No, I didn't have time for that. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny because later in life you realize the the fears. Um, I was crippled by the fear of not failure, but of success, uh, which is fairly unique. I think more people suffer from that than they understand or they don't really get it. Why would you be afraid of success? But, you know, as a student, I was plucked out pretty early on as having some, you know, some gifts of intelligence that maybe superseded some of my peers. So I was always in an advanced class. They always had a couple of classes set aside where the passing grade was 10 points more. And in junior high school, they put me through a program called Prep for Prep in the city, which specifically uh, looks to find students who are in marginal neighborhoods or who don't necessarily have that opportunity and bring them into the fold. They test them, IQ testing, standardized testing. I excelled at all of that. And the goal is to take them and put them in a parochial or private school setting for high school as opposed to a local, you know, high school where I rode the train every day into the city. Uh, they talked about taking me out and putting me in upstate New York, or I don't remember if it was Connecticut, but I know that I intentionally bombed that interview once they told me that they were going to pull me out of everything Man. that I knew and put me into a private school. I feel and that. yeah, I mean, I was young. I was a mama's boy. Um, I was a project kid. I love the neighborhood. You go outside, your mother yells out the window, you come up for dinner, uh, you <laughs> run around, you run around that square mile that you know, and you ride the train. And, you know, it's crazy because people look at New York City and it's this larger than life character. That's what and I for so say, many of us. It's so small. And that's all we know. I know. It, but people from Kansas, you <laughs> just talked about how old were you, Sean, when you we're riding the subway alone. I started riding the subway alone. I mean, as early as probably 13 years old, I would be on the subway. But I mean, every day for high school. So you're talking 15, 16, yeah. 17, probably 14 and on. Well, I was riding the I subway alone. And I love the, I love the subway. I navigated. I got my. Google I asked maps. my mother, you know, when was uh when did I start walking to school? And school was about, I can Google it, but I want to say a mile, three quarters of a mile to a mile. It wasn't around the Dang, corner. Sean. And I was doing that from the age of like eight or nine. Yeah, so dude, I, I walked to school too. I totally. It's always to lost on me how afraid people are these days of the environment, and yeah, we're just we're very soft. <laughs> One of my um, buddies, one of my buddies you'll meet at the event. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to embarrass him. But he was like, man, Matt, uh, uh, New York. I, I'm, I'm really nervous about the subway. Like, is it safe? I'm like, dude, yes, it's safe. Are you, are you sure, man? Like, is it safe? I was like, dude, I've rode the subway so many times. It's amazing. Okay, man. Okay, and you're and you're and you're a pretty country looking white guy. So oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> so when when you when you when you listen to this person talk, you're gonna be like, I know 
who Matt was talking about on the podcast. No, I, listen, I haven't. And, and there's some reluctancy in their defense, whoever this person is, not to be named. Uh, I now live an hour away, and that's without traffic, in a very suburban part of Long Island, New York. And I grew up and I was raised on the subway, and I'm reluctant to take my daughter on the subway to experience really? that. But that was a magical experience. Yeah, and the reason being is if you put on I the news, why. there's always a crazy, someone's getting stabbed, set on fire. I mean, they're always going to leave always, with that. There's but, always there's nine million crazy. people and a million people a day riding the subway and a couple of things happen, which are bound to happen when you have so many people in a metropolitan area, of course. But I mean, that is the that is the world we have always lived in. And even more so now than ever, ever, uh, they stoke our fears. They make mm -hmm. us afraid. They keep us afraid. New York is an amazing city. Yes, uh, it is. Does it suffer from its 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 mental illness and its poverty and its crime? Absolutely. I, I heard a statistic that more than half of New York City lives below the poverty line. And, you know, there's more money there than anywhere else other, other than California in, the, in, the, in this beautiful country. But, again, it's all perception. Tell your boy I'll ride the subway with him. Oh, he, he's definitely going to ride the subway with us. We're going to have so much fun. It, it's a hell of an experience, that's for sure. And I am going to take, hearing myself talk, I'm taking my daughter sooner than later to go good. experience that. Because that's a yeah. magical thing for kids. When you go oh. in that tunnel and all that yeah. noise and that screeching and the lights <laughs> flashing on and off. Yeah, it's pretty memorable. Bringing back good memories. So you gra did you graduate college? I did. I uh, graduated with an associate's degree from Bronx Community College in liberal arts. And then I would go on to private school in Ithaca College. So rewind to my hey, no SATs, okay. no, no preparation for the standardized testing. I couldn't go into a four-year college because it's required. So right. I took the route of going to Bronx Community College, and that Save turned out money. to be a blessing in disguise. My second year on campus, I took a leadership role there. And that's really where I found myself. I found my voice. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a leader on campus. I was on all the boards. Uh, I was on a first name basis with a lot of the higher up faculty. I was actually the president of the two-year honor society, Phi Theta Kappa there. Dang, go Which ahead. I inducted the largest group in New York State history for one semester, I was able to induct 88 participants Holy on campus and then another 40 the following. So all told, in one year, I, I inaugurated about 140 some odd students to, you know, to this two-year honor society, which was a huh. tremendous source of pride for a lot of those people. Found my voice as an event promoter, a people person there. Uh, I was involved with all the clubs. You know, I rehashed all this when I went to speak there this past November, and I didn't realize awesome. how impactful, not even the two years, but just my final year there was on my in my life. And again, we have these things in our life that change the trajectory of our lives. And first for me, it was the music, which kept me out of the real trouble in the street. And then secondly, I was honing my people skills in, in high school instead of going to class and practicing the sax because some of the talent that was there at LaGuardia High School, the fame school, was world class. So you have world class musicians at 18 who are now to this day still professional musicians. And you so, know them. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I just connected with uh, somebody on social media the other day I hadn't seen in years. And this person plays the sax for a living, travels the world, works with all types of famous artists, two-time Grammy winner. And, and I was up against that. So, I, you know, again, I found my voice in those hallways and with other human beings and other people. And that's that's been the most valuable thing. Um, so you went to so Ithaca. That, then I went to Ithaca College. Sorry, I'm off the chronological That's all uh, right. line. Here. You went to Ithaca and then you got your degree in? I got my degree in economics. Whoa. Uh, again, excelled in the social scene there. My first semester, I was on scholarships and grants. Um, first semester, I just tanked. I literally tanked. I think I had like a 2.0. 1.9. I don't know what I had, but it was bad. And the second semester I had to pull, you know, I had to average out at a 3.0 and I ended up 3.75 my second semester. Man, good job. And that averaged me to about 2.9. So they gave me a reprieve to keep my scholarships and grants because remember, I'm a junior, I'm transferring in. So I'm 20 years old. It's a party scene. I'm not yeah. your, you know, matriculated 18 year old coming into college. I'm, you know, a little older two whole years older and wiser and just having a good old time. But again, I have always been someone who relies on my people skills, even though I'm admittedly bright and admittedly book smart when I apply myself, mm -hmm. the application has always been distracted by just living life getting to know same. people on a human level same so can you believe uh, that like that I, i'm the same exactly. i believe it because most of the people that are attracted to me are the same way um if we were book smart guys and we were all about you know our studies and following the rules guess what we would have never met we wouldn't be doing this interview we'd be clocking out of work in about 18 minutes from somebody yep. else's corporation Yep. And um yeah, I'm just so fortunate and so glad that 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 spirit was 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 blessed, you know, to to not only have it but to hone it unknowingly throughout my younger years. And after graduating college, I actually spent another 2 years up in Ithaca, New York, which is a beautiful uh lakeside town about 5 hours north of New York City. Uh, at the foot of one of the Finger Lakes here. So if you know the geography of New York, there it looks like God came down and scratched the surface of the state. And there's five, I believe, lakes there. And Ithaca's at one of the foot, at the foot of one of those lakes. And just a beautiful, beautiful town. Um, it allowed me to get to know myself. And I also was a radio um the college radio station there, because we went to Ithaca College, has a great communication of school. Were. Of course you were. And we were on the radio, and me and my buddy started doing parties and promoting at one of the local nightclubs for the college students there. Ah, yeah. And that spiraled into me being able to make cash money uh, above and beyond, you know, the four twenty-five an hour or whatever it was oh, that yeah. the school was offering and different jobs. And kind of caught my own shots, and that little bit of celebrity status allowed us to throw the parties. And we were really good at hosting these parties. 
And we would get hundreds. I mean, and upwards, I think our biggest event was like 900 people. Good night, And, you know, Sean. we're charging five, seven bucks. We're college students, so we're balling out. And um, it was a good time, man. A lot of good times and a lot of learning. And, again, just getting to know what people liked, what got people's attention, really grassroots marketing, handing out flyers, creating flyers. Uh, we were hustlers. We, you know, I started at Bronx Community. And really hone that that hustler skill in uh, in Ithaca College in my uh, so last we're gonna fast left. forward because sure. people are gonna have to tune in for another episode us diving into the rest of Sean's origin story. But take us up to right now. Um, you have a awesome wife. You got some kids. Tell us about them, and then tell us about uh, what you're doing currently in your business. And sure. then uh, some of the groups you're a part of and then your mission. Because Absolutely. So what I love about what you just talked about being your voice coach. Ah, man, it all ties together now. Like all yeah. of it, all of it ties together with your mission. It's beautiful. I think so many of us don't realize how we got here. It's beautiful. We don't take the time to realize that life is literally a marathon. Mm that we're living and we're not appreciating it for the single, the singular steps that were taken to get us to the end game. There is no end game. You just keep running forever in life until you can't anymore, unfortunately. But uh, it's interesting to talk about this things I forget. And as we talk, they come up, but you know, these days I run a successful durable medical equipment company and we specialize in post orthopedic surgical rehab equipment, equipment that goes to the patient's home helps them get better post-surgery, sometimes acute injuries, soft tissue injuries. Um, think orthopedic bracing, whether it be an elbow brace, a back brace, an ankle brace, that kind of thing. Mm. And where that stems from is all what I just discussed, which is my relation, my ability to forge relationships with other people. So I'm not necessarily a clinician. I'm a private owner of a medical supply business, and I specialize in relationships with doctors and connecting them with referral sources. Perfect. And I've been fortunate enough to find a product which makes me money. And I'll be the first to admit, I am not necessarily the most detail-oriented business person, but I've been fortunate enough to fall into a profitable business that requires me to manage relationships. So yeah. I do what I'm good at, which is I connect people. I, you know, I, I make sure that they're fulfilled, their needs are met, they're happy. Mm. Obviously, they take a bit of a liking to me. I always say when you're a salesperson or a marketer, you're selling and marketing yourself. The product mm -hmm. that you have is irrelevant. If you can't sell yourself, you can't sell that product. It's that yeah. serious. It's that simple. You so, you uh, connected us to Rennie. Yeah. And I connected you to Josiah. Yeah. And this is what we do. This is what we do. And we invite people into our circle. We grow organically. Yeah. And part of my progress over the last year is really uh, due in large part to a couple of factors. And two of them are, you know, first and foremost... A little over a year ago, I stopped drinking alcohol completely. Congrats, dude. I uh, swore that off. 
Uh, it's something that I have admittedly suffered with for decades and, you know, was never, you know, I, it's almost silly to hear yourself say I was never like a fall down drunk, like, oh, that's a notch on your belt. But I definitely drank too much and drank too much to get up the next day and go to the gym or, you know, stay focused for long periods of time on those things that I would need to do in order to you know, move my life and move the needle dramatically forward like I'm doing now. So I've always been successful. I've always been a hustler. I've always been able to make money and connect people. And part of that was going out to dinners, entertaining, always a big part of my life. But about yeah. a year ago, uh, just the stresses of family and then having a second child and so many of the challenges that people face when they don't grow up seeing what a family structure looks like, particularly a healthy one, um, I was struggling with that. And, you know, my wife, God bless her, approached me one day. And, you know, this is the first time I talk about it. So I, I apologize if I get emotional. Hmm. Um, but, you know, she brought it to my attention that I was drinking too much. And I knew it. I didn't fight her on it. I didn't have not one iota of denial. Hmm. It hurt. It stung. But I already knew I had to do something about it. Hmm. And I always wanted to wanted to for the longest and listen if you're out there and you're listening to this and you drink and you're a social drinker and you don't have a problem then that's fine but i think there's a lot of us that um suffice it to say we we deny the fact that we struggle with substances and we use them mm. to kind of quiet our minds and and, and make us feel better in the moment and they become issues they truly become issues. And I'm, I'm the first to admit it was becoming an issue for me. Could I still be drinking today and making progress? Yes, but not at the, I wouldn't be in the place that I am now. I wouldn't be doing this interview with you. I wouldn't be finding my voice. So that that was the first monumental shift was making that decision to uh, to quit drinking. Mm -hmm. And I thank my wife Thanks for, for that. sharing that, dude. Thank you. Yeah, man. It, it has been transcendent. I've lost 75 pounds. I'm at 45 and probably the best shape of my adult life. Yeah, and, Sean. Oh, let's just say my life, period. And um, the other thing that my beautiful, amazing wife also uh, told me about with laying in bed one day, and she goes, hey, you know, Tony Robbins is is doing a seminar in, in Florida. You should go. And this has been on my bucket list for over a decade. Uh, yeah, I want to go. Know, I will attend the Tony Robbins seminar and walk over the hot coals. And that's the event. The uh, Unleash the Power Within event was held at the Palm Beach Convention Center last November. I bought tickets. Last November. Last November. Wow. Sean. So we're not even a year in. And Bro, and boy, when guys, I tell you. Yeah, that that's why my reaction was like that, dude. Like, wow. Listen, when you decide to make a shift in your life. If you're out there listening to this, if you know that you are destined for more, the only person standing in your way is you. And if you've got bad habits, you just need to look in the mirror and admit it, get the help that you need, surround yourself with the people that you need to. And I promise you, you will make leaps and bounds of progress in a much shorter period of time. Uh, than you ever thought possible because just those incremental 
1% changes add up. When you show up every day and you put one foot in front of the other and you just keep showing up and you just keep showing up. And the next thing you know, you haven't seen anybody, you haven't seen somebody in nine months and you've dropped 75 pounds. And they're like, dude, I would have walked past you in the street. You don't even wow. look the same. You don't sound the same. Wow, Sean. Your skin looks different. I mean, it's a it's an almost magical thing, right? It's yeah. like the governor, your self-inflicted governor has been just ripped off and removed. And that was the drinking and then going to this Tony Robbins seminar and deciding to join his platinum partnership, which you know what it is. Yeah. You're part of the amazing Arate syndicate family. And, you know, Tony, in my opinion, is the GOAT. And what I learned was he is by far the most expensive uh, in the world as far as masterminds go, but I have not one regret, uh, best investment I've ever made. I was fortunate enough to be able to afford it. Mm. Um, and it has been life-changing, uh, life-changing. It's such a mindset shift. And that's what it's all about. It was about taking the governor off of my mind, my limiting beliefs, the same belief system that at the age of 13 kept me from growing into these private school programs. Yep. I've been holding on to that shit for 20, 30 years. Yep. Despite my success, despite my fortune, my good fortune and my entrepreneurial success, successful businesses, nice house, good family. It's only a shell of what I've been able to unlock. I'm going to tee you up. I'm going to tee you up. Since last November. You ready? I'm going to tee you up. So you, Absolutely. I'm fired up. So fired up. You know, you get one life. You get one shot. One shot that we actually know of, right? Yeah. That we're conscious of. And this limited belief thing is what we've been taught by our family, by our friends, yep. by our neighbors, what they've been taught by their family and their friends and their neighbors for generation and generation after generation, all right? God, the universe, energy, whatever you want to believe. If we only get one shot, do you think that our spirit, our soul, wants to be in a body that's working to be half, that's working just to fit in, just to make it, just to do enough, right? Yeah. No. Everybody, here's the T, everybody should have that shot. Everybody. One of my favorite musicals of all time is Hamilton. And oh, one of his best songs is My Shot. Yep. Take a and shot. And this kid came down from the Caribbean, lost everything on a boat, came to New York City with a dream. Just like Sean's family. And just like so many other people's families that have come to that amazing city and uh, everybody I got good everybody gets that shot everybody should get that shot and so what my mom taught me and what sean's mom taught him if you believe you can you're right tony robbins ed mylett andy frisella um jordan peterson all these amazing speakers in the world oprah winfrey They put on their pants just like us. Yeah. There's and plenty of inspiration to be found. There's plenty of lessons to be learned. What does your social media feed look like? 
Are you content to be entertained with funny, silly videos and gossip about celebrities that have no bearing on your life or sports figures or this, that? Delete all that shit. Mm. Surround yourself with the people that are going to motivate you to get up every day to feed your spirit. And I heard the other day, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. And the human experience, unfortunately, is so limited because of those limiting beliefs that are passed down by other human beings who raised us. And it's crippling. And we don't know it. And we all have the power to break free from it. But we have to surround ourselves with, first and foremost, the belief that we can. And then the circle, the network, the crowd of people around us that will support us in making these visions of a greater life yes. come to fruition. So my purpose is to help people find their voice, to go around the world and help people find their voice, keep their voice, share their voice, and connect their voice with craft, artistry, and magic, with clarity, confidence, communication, connection, and courage. Sean, tell them your purpose. Tell them your so mission. What I, I've discovered that my purpose is to help others, particularly others black and brown, kids from disenfranchised neighborhoods that could be white as well, mm. but particularly those struggling on the fringes of society, poverty, uh, lack of hope, and most importantly, lack of mentors, lack of positive role models, ages 12 to 22, which I think mm. are the most formative years. They were for me. I think they are for so many. I think we suffer traumas. We suffer abuses that are just considered normal. Mm. We don't know how to work through them. So what I did was found, I founded Real Success Mentors. And the real is an acronym, R-E-A-L. And it stands for Real Life Examples Altering Lives. And I know that my connection or my ability to connect with other human beings extends to this group of kids that need to hear that I was sitting in your chair at one point in my life and I didn't have anybody to look up to. I didn't have any examples of what a good life looked like, a healthy life looked like, a healthy bank account, financial independence, financial knowledge, a happy marriage, happy children. And I've been able to attain it all through a ton of mistakes and trial and error. And I've found that my life's purpose is to go back and teach these kids at a young age the lessons that I've learned in the hopes that I plant the seed that will change the trajectory of their lives the same way that people came across my path and changed the trajectory of mine. But these are things that school will never teach you. They're not inclined to teach you. Um, so I want to go make impact. I want to make an impact. I want to get in front of as many of this age group of students that I can uh, just plant the seed that they can be whatever they want. And the only person they'll have to blame in the end, if they don't get there is themselves. Mm. Ownership. Powerful, Sean. No one's coming to save you. And that this is, is the we're, truth. We're on nine 11. Um, mm. I've had my, you know, when you come from poverty and you're, you're, you know, you're black and brown in this country, you have, you're at odds with the fact that we're free and, and we're this great country that everybody keeps preaching. And the truth is, yes, there are some ills in capitalism in this society that can't be overlooked when you come from them. Yeah. But the reason that my grandparents migrated here was for a better life. 
And I think I'd be misinforming people if I decided that I was going to focus on the negative parts of what's yeah. available to them as opposed to the positive parts of what America brings to the table and the opportunity. And just today I posted uh, on social media at the Sean Martin, you follow me if you can, uh, that the American dream is alive and well for those that have never had a peace. And it is going to continue to be that way for generations to come, in my opinion, my humble opinion. So it all starts here and it starts here. It's all heart and it's all belief. Man, Sean. Sean is going to be one of the speakers at the event Unmute in New York City, Grand Central Station, 21st floor, I found out today, Sean. Very um, nice. And uh, he's going to bring some truth bombs, and I know he will. And there's going to be some very influential people in that room that I know are going to connect with Sean, and we're going to change the world. All of, We're going to change the world together. And what a beautiful mission. And now that you guys heard his origin story, you can put it all together and be like, this makes so much sense. And so the path that we're on is not going to be a straight and narrow path. And the, the world makes you believe that it's a straight and narrow path when actually it's a jagged, like, up and down, side, backwards kind of thing. And there's no, there's no rhyme to it. There's no reason to it. It's life. And the same pattern is a heartbeat. The same pattern is a waveform. The same pattern is the Richter scale of an earthquake. If we were to put some electronic magnetic energy, you know, field thing on that tree out there, you would see that you would see some activity up and down all around these these lines when a line is straight there's no sound when a line is straight in the heart rate you're dead and so a lot of people want these straight lines going down going up but they want these straight lines that's not life and so these habits these routines that Sean knows about, that I know about, that a lot of really amazing, influential people that are you would deem very successful know about happen yeah. because we're a part of Arate Syndicate. We're a part of Tony Robbins Platinum. You could be a part of any kind of group with a network of people that are trying to better themselves. And you're going to find out there are these habits, these routines that you can do every single day. Make choices like not drinking. Make choices like doing some meditation that will help you navigate the chaos of life that will not stop being chaotic. No, life the, highs aren't, the highs aren't as sweet without the lows. That's right. And, and the majority of people, the majority of people that are going to be at this event and the majority of people that I've met that have this, 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 this perspective on life and the desire to be better and give back are the people that have overcome the most, you know, uh, the most turbulence, the most pain, the most abuse, the most trauma. Mm. Because when you're able to conquer those things, you're, you become a warrior, you become a soldier, and you are destined to go out there and use your story for good. And when you come from a place of comfort, unfortunately, all too often, um, you stay in that place of comfort. And, you know, 
that may be something that my kids face and that's their journey. And Ed Milet, I just heard say the other day something beautiful when he's out playing golf, he can tell within a few minutes whether someone comes for money or they don't because wow. there's no edge to them. There's no, wow. there's no, there's no fire. Like you can almost sense when somebody's been through the fire yeah, or when somebody's cruised through life and it's not their fault. And he said the yeah. same thing I just said, which is, you know, his kids may not, they're not going to go through the fire. They're not going to have that edge because he was that guy. And he also, I love the, the, the speaking engagement where he shares that, that one person in a family comes along and that's yeah. all it takes. And the legacy's built. There was one Rockefeller. Yeah. One, there was one Kennedy initially. Yeah. You know, there was one Trump, love him or hate him. I don't know yep. that the other ones are going to do much, but you know, again, I haven't heard of any other Rockefellers that, mm. you know, followed the first one. And now there's going to be the Martins. Mm. There's going to be the Berthos. That's right. And, you know, we're looking past ourselves into the future. Legacy. For the first time in my life this past year, I've been seeing myself as an old man, as a grandfather, mm. living to an old age. And I got to tell you, brother, it feels amazing. And I can't wait to share this energy in New York with your your crew, uh, some familiar faces and some new faces. Yeah. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being on this awesome episode. And Sean will be back. And if you want to get a hold of Sean, Sean, they can get a hold of you at, you have two Instagrams, correct? Yeah, we've got the... T-H-E, Sean, S-E-A-N-M-A-R-T-I-N, The Sean Martin, The Sean Martin, if we're being proper. And uh, you can also punch that in on YouTube and TikTok, Sean Martin Speaker, SeanMartinSpeaker.com. Hey. And last but not least, Real Mentors on Instagram. You can find us, Real Success Mentors, uh, and that is going to be the public speaking curriculum component to awesome. what my ultimate mission is. So through myself well, in the deep end, we'll figure out the details as we go, as with much in my life and in all of our lives, we take a risk, we take a chance, we jump out there and then the rest figures itself out because we just, we can't allow ourselves to fail. Hmm. What's exciting we about make this it happen. for all the listeners and viewers of this uh, podcast, first podcast with Sean is, it's gonna be a lot of fun in the future to look back at this episode, you know, five years from now and see what Matt and Sean are up to. Admittedly, my first official podcast ever. Thank you so much for having me. I've got a couple lined up in the next few weeks um, and we're getting the kinks out, but it's yeah. still going to all be from the heart. Proud and that's man. never going to change when it comes to me. So Sean is fine. Thanks for having voice. me, brother. Yep. I will see you guys on the next episode. And hopefully you see a lot of you at Unmute in New York, September 22nd, Grand Central Station. Come on out, worth every penny. If you're from the New York City area, definitely come on out. And even if you're from surrounding area, it's worth the drive. There's affordable hotels. Trust me, the best investment you can ever make is in yourself. And that room is going to be full of some powerhouse speakers and great energy. Come get some. Yeah, you can just uh, message me on uh, Voice by Matt at Instagram and we'll get you set up. Thank you, Sean. Have a great day, man. Thank you. You too, brother.